Just as soon as I just as soon as I move inside of that room, let's get to that groove of honey. I move because I'm in the mood for love and your butt is soft and I don't believe in high coops. Because the truth is ugly, your pretty face shouldn't face the music. I'd hate to waste right, that breath. grace so baby <laughs> I've been doing a lot of deep breathing exercises lately. I don't know how much you've like got into that kind of thing, but I think it's important, man. I think it's so important. And um, I I like was reading some kundalini yoga book okay that i found out in the west coast when i was out there started learning about different like they focus a lot on mantras right and i think that i think it's important but i think it's a it's like programming your brain sort of trick and the reason i think that is that they're all all their mantras are in sanskrit right right okay and so as modern westerners we have to look at the Sanskrit words and decipher them. So, you know, find out what the words mean. And then if you still use those, like as your mantra chant, you're chanting these words that you know the meaning of and, but you don't have to say the actual words. So you're saying these kind of like nonsensical sort of sounding, you know, sounds, but your brain knows how to translate that into the meaning behind those things, which is like connecting with the universe and like releasing okay. karmic blocks and things like that. And so, so you're not translating them to English. You're saying them as yeah. You're saying them in, in, in the sin- Sanskrit. Okay, tight. and your brain understands if you've done the research, if you've figured out like what those words mean. Right. And so, what I think is that you don't have to think about the meaning of it after you know after you learn it, and your brain just you know, translates it. So, so doing it in, in a rhythmic, repetitive fashion, like in the morning when you're doing your meditation and whatnot, I think it programs your brain to, you know, accept those things, like to, to, um, encourage those things into your life. Like I, I look at the world as there's always good and bad things going on, mm-hmm. right? There's always uh, a, a spectrum of things that you could choose from what you're going to allow into your life, what you're going to allow into your brain and your psyche. And so if you're choosing first thing in the morning to set that, um, set the, make a decision about what you're going to focus on, what your focal point is going to be. If you, if you do that, then that reprograms your brain to expect those things first thing in the morning. So you're expecting like peace and, um, you know, if you're doing breathing exercises, you're expecting a, a feeling of, like stability because it uh, it strengthens your lungs, it strengthens your body to get that oxygen into you. Like there's just it's really fascinating because it's kind of like a spiritual, you know, a, a lot of these things like Kundalini, especially it's very spiritual. But I think that the physical aspects of it and the legitimacy of those things are what makes you know makes those things really like real. Like yeah, you know. I think I think that totally makes sense, man. Because um. I mean, like you said, with programming your brain, you know, everything is mm-hmm. really comes down to how you interpret it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like what you're saying about the spectrum, I 100% agree. Things aren't like, <laughs> things aren't, you know, everything is, I think everything is just a thing until you interpret it as yeah. good or bad or whatever. So like you're saying, if you can program yourself or reprogram yourself to interpret things in a certain way, mm-hmm. then you can really completely change your mood, yeah. your mindset, you know, your mind state, your yeah. emotions, all that. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I like that. And and the way for me to look at it that makes the most sense is to start from when I was a more negative person, okay. when I was more sh- stressed and frustrated about things, I know that I was focused on 
those negative things. Like I would wake up in the morning and I would be, you know, tired. I wouldn't have gotten enough sleep or I would be hungover, you know, or I would be stressed that I have to get up and go to work right away because I didn't get to bed early enough to get enough sleep. Like there's all these things that I would focus on first thing in the morning that were stressful and negative. And I think that once you get past that, like if you can get past that and, and do the opposite, then it will do the opposite. Like, you mm-hmm. know, focusing on the negativity made me feel stressed and negative and focusing on the positivity makes you feel blessed and positive. Yeah. Like definitely, man. You know. I feel like that also goes back to like um I feel like there's so much stuff that people that has historic and almost in in some cases ancient yeah. uh, validity mm-hmm. that we learn as children that are so powerful even though they're put so simply so like what you're saying just triggered me to think about uh waking up on the wrong side of the bed you know you hear that as a kid and it's so true you know if you if you start your day off wrong your day is going to be crap right and if your bed is against the wall you're going to hit the wall right (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah yeah I, i like i like to take that phrase literally when i think about it but yeah it's very true um and i think that so many people just let the let the beginning of their day be dictated by something, you know. And and for me, a lot of the time, it was the people that I was around. Like if it was my family, I know who they are. I know how they're going to act and react. And so sometimes I would set myself up to fail because I would look at them and I'd be like, they're going to do this, and it's going to irritate me in this way, instead of you know just accepting what they're you know what they were going to do, what they were going to say, how they were going to start their day. If I just accepted it then it wouldn't have bothered me. Like, there wouldn't have been anything to stress me out, you know, right. because I'm the thing that's stressing me out, really. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can only... <laughs> your emotions are always your choice. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. For sure. Yeah. This is Philosophical Grandeur. My name is Maple. My good friend, Moose, is here today. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> We're here at Quill's Coffee on Cardinal Boulevard, which I have been to before to do a podcast, and they were gracious to let me do it again. They have an outside wall outlet, which is always a good factor if you're going to do something on a beautiful day like today. It's like, was it the fourth day in March? Yep. 2018, and it feels like it's dead in springtime right now. I think it's probably like 60 degrees or something like that. Yeah, sunny. 60 and sunny. Beautiful day. Yeah. (laughs) So how (laughs) how have you been, man? What have you been up to lately? I'm good, man. I'm good. Life's good. Uh, you know, just working on music all the time as much as I can. I might be in the studio this evening, actually. That's awesome. Um, trying to eat breakfast regularly now. <laughs> um, that's that's something new in my life. <laughs> I usually just wake up and go right to work, and I'm starving until I eat lunch. That um, was the thing that I saw you uh, put up a tweet about just that's recently. That's it? That was hey. it. Like, within the past day or so, I saw that, and I was like, man, that is awesome. That is, like, this exact same track that I'm on. You know, eating something first thing in the day is vital, so important. Oh, yeah. Some pe- you know, some people get into fasting, intermittent fasting, or fasting first thing a day, certain time of day. Yeah. And I fully agree with that, and I believe, you know, that it is very effective, valid thing to do. But I also think that depending on your lifestyle, you really need nourishment early in the day in order to, like, if you have a job, if you have something you're going out to do, especially mm-hmm. if it's physical, manual labor, like, you need that nourishment in order to make that happen. And so, yeah, like you said, a lot of people start the day and they're just drinking coffee, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. not really eating anything until about lunchtime. And I think that that it's hazardous, man. I think it's real detrimental to people's mental capability of, you know, really getting through stuff on a real level. Yeah, I agree, man. And I just got sick. I work at a food bank. I don't know if you knew that. 
Medicare food bank. Word. And I was sick of the irony of <laughs> being in a food bank and being hungry. Yeah, that's crazy. When I have the money to get food, thankfully. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky enough to have the money to get food. Yeah. Why am I sitting around hungry, you know? Hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, breakfast, man. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. How long ago did you start getting on the breakfast train? Like two days. Two days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I go for um, an omelet. All right. A veggie omelet. Uh, half a bagel with some cream cheese and uh, orange juice. Okay. That's what okay. I've been on the last two days. Okay. And, uh, yeah, complete game changer. Word. I feel like I wake up and I actually have energy to do stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm not always thinking about, again, thinking about the negativity of, I'm so hungry. Yeah. Man. You I know, think, I I think that's one of the most negative things, like having that hangry feeling and trying to, you know, I'll do that and I'll drink coffee and I'll not have enough nutrition and I'll be trying to work on a project and I'll just get, like, more and more frustrated and then you know my brain at some point is like why don't you eat something why don't you go to have a glass of water why you know get some exercise do something else yeah and get your day started right yeah it's very valid man you got to listen to your body you got to you yeah. definitely do i w- have you heard much about like the ketogenic diets i've seen it around but i don't know anything about it okay a lot of it is basically low carb um, this one guy that i'm a fan of uh, calls it slow carb, like his version of it is slow carb. But okay, so, what does that mean? Uh, okay, so a lot of it is taking bread out of your diet. Got it. So the the ketogenic diet is very very low carbohydrates. A lot of breads, uh, breads basically turn into sugar in your body. Like that's the way your body produces them. Right. And another thing that's difficult is fruit um, is good for you, but you only need so much of it. And fruit juice. While it is good for you in a lot of ways, it does have a lot of vitamins in it. It takes uh, the fiber out of the process, and so you, your body doesn't have to process the fiber. So you're getting a huge jolt of energy and nutrients, but your body doesn't have to process it the way that it normally naturally would. Okay. Does that make sense? So my breakfast is totally not no, ketogenic. Not well. Yeah, it's not. It's not really ketogenic. <laughs> There's still some great stuff in there, and I do. You know, I, I have to say, I think that carbohydrates are very important. It's just that a lot of people get way too many carbohydrates, way too much, you know, too much of the time. Just eating, you know, a roll with or three rolls with every meal or, you know, bread, you know, sandwich with one meal, toast with breakfast. Like people have thought that bread was one of the most important things for a while. There was a food pyramid where bread was the entire bottom of it. And it looked like you should have more bread than anything else. Right. And obviously now we, you know, we know a lot more about the importance of vegetables and, and all of that. I don't think there was ever really a time when people were stupid about like vegetables. I think we've known yeah. <laughs> there was just a lot of propaganda and a lot of companies that were like, hey, here's this. This is like a, an attractive way to, you know, to live your life and you can use this product and it'll give you this happiness, you know, that this this couple on this these models <laughs> advertisement, yeah, these beautiful <laughs> models with their you know gorgeous Labrador retriever and right professional you know, makeup and all yeah, that yeah on the most perfect day <laughs> with like birds chirping and yeah I mean that's <laughs> it's just nonsense yeah I, I feel like and I don't know if, if you've done any research it sounds like you know a lot about um you know nutrition and everything like that but <clears throat> not that I live this way but I try to I try to take it into consideration is that I feel like our biological evolution is not made for the lifestyle that most people live. Like, just talking about eating too much bread. I feel like, like I eat meat every day. Mm. I don't think that's natural. I don't think that no. throughout history, you know, like, like I said, I mean, you're talking the hundreds of thousands of years of, of 
homo sapien existence that yeah. people our body isn't a, isn't built for meat every day bread every day right. you know what i mean i feel like maybe that's where fasting comes into and why it's been uh you know a, an important aspect of like eastern religions for example um is that people didn't always have the resources to always eat whatever they wanted every yeah. single day you know what i mean yeah i think up until relatively recently people had to work really hard and had to hunt and gather and if they got meat it was a treat right it was it was you know if they got it once a week that was probably pretty good and i don't know the exact details of how that worked yeah. it may not have been once a week could have been like three times a week could have been once a month who knows, knows? Yeah. but they had you know they knew that they had to survive off of like berries and vegetables and things like that that they could find and forage for right and that were yeah. naturally available see uh-huh. now we've gotten to this point where we've wreaked havoc on the landscape so much that it's harder to grow things you know because we've yeah. tilled up the soil and destroyed all the natural bacteria that are in the soil and everything like they're they're um like you know how to make compost no okay compost is decomposing plant material okay so like the rinds from uh, a melon or you know the outside of a banana like the core of an apple like all these things can go into the compost we, we put it in a bucket and then put it into a larger bucket basically but it goes through this process of decomposition where um when you turn it on a, on a set basis, like every three days, basically you turn it, it makes it decompose really quickly. So within a really short period of time, you get really nice, dark, um, nutrient dense dirt that you can use in your garden. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So anyway, (laughs) there are all these reasons why food isn't as good now as it, as it used to be in, you know, back in the day when we were hunters and gatherers. But at that time they didn't have, you know, the capability to get meat nearly as, as readily as we do now. They didn't have farms full of cows, basically. Right. They had to find find a deer in the middle of the forest, you know, and hopefully they're smart enough and skilled enough to get it. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like we're not, we're not used to it. Like, Physically, biologically, our bodies aren't used to having that much meat that often. And it's been within like the last couple hundred years, it's just sped up so fast, like technology and what we have access to on a regular basis. And I say we, I mean, you know, people in Western, like in the United States, in the Western world, because there's so many places where it's not this good and it's not. And we're just we're just born into so much that we, you know, that's that privilege thing that everybody's talking about. Oh, yeah. but we're just born into so much that we don't have, you know, we don't have the difficulty that they had back when it was, you know, hard to get meat once a week. Right. That type of thing. You ever, um, you ever read uh, Ishmael? I haven't read by that. By Daniel Quinn? Dude, it's, it's easily the number one book that I recommend to everybody. Yeah. I actually just bought a copy a couple months back just to give it to a friend of mine. That's awesome. Um, but there's this idea in there that really stuck with me, man. It's that uh, agriculture, right? The agricultural revolution was the beginning of the downfall of humanity because that introduces things like deforestation, mm-hmm. right? And it allowed us to build these these huge cities that are, aren't sustainable unless you're doing things like deforestation yeah. and these harm, these practices that are harmful for the earth, even though they're good for humanity, you know? Right. And that people used to be, you know, migratory. And now we have things like the agricultural revolution also brought about surplus, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Being able to till the land and have enough corn for a year which obviously at this point is you know way beyond that yeah but yeah man i feel like i I, and i after reading that in that book in ishmael and then doing a little bit more research i definitely feel like 
human beings really fucked up <laughs> when we started doing agriculture, man. That was a mistake. Whoever did that, you suck, man. <laughs> Thanks, but also nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's difficult too because it seems like it makes so much sense to have surplus and you know to be able to take take care of your people, and it does make sense to do that. But at the same time, it just it encourages specialization, and so the less that an individual has to work to get their food, the more that time they have to do other things. And in a lot of ways, that's fantastic. You yeah. know, that allows people like you and me to be musicians and audio producers and things like that, that we wouldn't have the time for if we had to work on a farm. If we were always hunting. And yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I agree. It's, it's crazy how badly the world is messed up because of the, indu- or the agricultural revolution. But at the same time, we're really blessed that we don't have to do a lot of those things. And that's, that's exactly what you were saying. Like it, it benefits humanity, but it's also a huge detriment. Like mm-hmm. I wish that I was motivated enough to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, work 12 hours a day in order to make my life happen in order to have the food that I need in order to do all these things. Yeah. And there's people that, I, I just feel like we're weakened. Like, we're greatly weakened by the convenience of the things that we have access to all the time. Right, and it's completely unnatural. Yeah. I mean, no other human beings are animals. No other animal lives like that. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, I guess squirrels, you know, they bury nuts. Is that That's technically a surplus right. for them, but, like, <laughs> but nah. they forget where they buried them. Right. They're just like, maybe there's a nut right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's interesting, too. Like, squirrels and birds, and there's a bunch of small animals cats and dogs are a good example but there's all these little animals that benefit directly from human beings you know feeding them and allowing them to coexist with us kind of mm-hmm. but it's also a huge detriment to those animals because if they're just used to being fed by humans all the time they're super weak yeah, in oh yeah. comparison to their their relatives that are out in the country <laughs> yeah <laughs> running all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> right yeah. it's just crazy and and I uh, when I was in Colorado a couple years back <laughs> there was this squirrel that would just sit in front of the restaurant where I worked and it would get fed bread and cookies and sandwiches and all this stuff all the time. Fat as hell, it was didn't so it? fat. <laughs> it was so fat. I was like, you poor little diabetes ridden squirrel. Yeah, that's like, sick. It was crazy. I mean and and it probably thought it had a great life. Like and it oh, probably yeah. it probably did, you know, who am I to say? But it probably died young. <laughs> <laughs> right. R. I. P. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you've been working on music lately, man? Yeah, man. Yeah, specifically, I'm trying to get together my debut project. Okay. Uh, Glass Half Full. Yeah, I'm working really hard on that Glass right now. Glass Half Full. I like that, man. Yeah. That's dope. How long have you been working on that project specifically? Well, I started producing about, I guess this was September 2016. Okay. I got um I got a Native Instruments machine, which is like a like a like a a, a MIDI a MIDI board, right? Yeah. <clears throat> a drum machine type, and. Uh, then it was a lot of learning, yeah. a whole lot of <laughs> terrible beats that nobody will ever hear. Right. Um, but out of that, I made a whole bunch of beats that I'm really proud of. Right. So it's going to be eight tracks out of which I produce seven. And so, I mean, technically I've been working on it for over you know, like a year and a half, if you want to put it in terms of learning how to produce. Right. But specifically since I've had the idea and started formulating the concepts and putting, you know, pen to paper and actually get my lyrics together, it's been about maybe seven months mm. about seven months okay um a lot of writing i've just i mean I've, I've been recording it for like maybe three months now mm-hmm. uh you know like once a week i'll go to my friend filthy rich shout out to him uh he's yeah. the homie dude uh he's really helping me a lot 
and putting up with my weird <laughs> neur- neuroses of like, yeah, no, right. it's, it's got to be perfect, man. And oh, <laughs> record a song and then come back like, no, I'm going to completely re-record this. <laughs> We're starting over, man. Like, so it's been a process, but it's been a lot of fun. And when it comes yeah. out, I don't want to have any doubts about it at all. Right. So Right. You got to be confident. Yeah. You got to be sure about 100%. it. 100%. That's awesome, man. I saw you perform with Dom B at the Tap Room on Baxter Avenue. I think yeah. it was early 2016. Right. So that must have been some previous material that you were work- like that you had at the time. Yeah, we did a project together, Dom. Okay. Called Sanctuary. Nice. Um, so that probably was like right around that time. Okay. And Dom's gonna be on this project as well. Awesome. Uh, he just sent me his verse back, and it's fire. So <laughs> I'm really excited to get that mixed. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and Dom have worked together quite a lot, man. That's He's awesome. a good dude. I remember having a really good time at that show, and uh, you guys definitely killed it. Thank you, man. And you know, it's just totally different seeing somebody on a day-to-day basis at a day job and then seeing what they're passionate about and what they're working on. And so I know that before I saw you at that show that I knew that you were producing music and working on music. I'm right. sure we had talked about it. But then getting to see you perform, I was totally blown away, man. Like Thank you. The like lyrical ability and obviously the time that you had put into all those songs was impressive. For sure. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Again, yeah, just yeah. like producing, it's been a long time coming <laughs> with writing. I mean, I remember being in my dorm room right up the street, you know, yeah. at, uh, at U of L, and yeah. writing garbage. <laughs> just stuff that was horrible. And I was like, yo, this is tight. And then in hindsight, it's like, man, I was trash back then. Right. You know, so it's really been a, it's like, whenever, when I write, it's interesting to look back because it's kind of like the closest thing I've ever had to a journal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's ideas on there where it might have just been like one or two lines that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's at the time I was like, oh, this will be a tight rap line. And then looking yeah. back, it's like, wow, that's really an insight to where <laughs> I was at that time. Yeah. You know? yeah Which yeah. is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love words, man. Yeah. I, I feel like it's so fun to come up with clever ways to like piece together different ideas and just dancing around on beats. You know what I mean? It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's sure. awesome, man. Um, how what was what was your first musical influence do you remember i don't know about my first but my parents are huge 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 music fans uh all my brothers are as well um so as long as i can remember i grew up on you know 70s soul you know stevie wonder bob marley all this sort of nina simone you know great jazz and stuff um and I remember riding around with my brothers when he had his old little hoopty with two big old 12-inch subwoofers in the back and just knocking through the neighborhood. And But really, I started out, I feel like my first passion in music was, was metal, man. That's awesome. I grew up a metalhead, which uh, I feel like a lot of people would never guess <laughs> when they hear me rap, you know what I mean? But I grew up hardcore into like, I mean, Slipknot, Metallica, all, yeah. the, all the old 80s stuff. Um, and even like the when Warp Tour was like, the biggest, you know, at, at its height, you know what I mean? Like Devil Wars Prada. I don't know if you know any of these bands or Parkway Drive or anything like sure. that. Um, I was way into that for a long time. Yeah. Start, so I started playing drums, got a double bass pedal. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I was a drummer for a <laughs> long time, dude. Yeah, I took percussion classes uh, in high school. Um, that was a lot of fun. I feel like that's now coming back in terms of producing. Right. Because I'm sure having that rhythm is a, a really strong part of your production. Definitely, man. Definitely, because as... I think drums first, you know what I mean? I, I try to think, like you said, in terms of rhythms, mm-hmm. and it's been a great outlet for me, whereas before when I was just writing raps, you know what I mean? Was, I, was, I felt like I was one-dimensional. But now, like I said, I mean, producing seven out of eight tracks on this project, it's, being able, it's me being able to make a song from the ground up, really yeah. construct the entire thing, and then put the words on it. So yeah. now I'm really, I feel like now I'm making music. Before I was a rapper, now I'm making songs. 
right. which is a, a whole lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot more fun. It's a whole evolution. <clears throat> yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I played bass for like five years as well, so that helps. Um, I still got my bass. I pick it up every once in a while. That's I'm, awesome. I'm trash now compared to what I used to be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I've always, I've always had a musical bone in my body. Do you, do you ever use metal sounding or metal based um, samples in your production? I haven't. Okay. I ha- uh, no, I can't say that because I, I sampled uh, some Black Sabbath. Nice. Uh, there's this drum break on, um, what song is that? Not Electric Funeral. I'm not going to give out the sample because I'm going to go rip it. But I used the Black Sabbath uh, drum break, nice. which was tight. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just the percussion, like using, I think using that kind of influences from your childhood or from earlier in your life is, is definitely important. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it works its way into your soul. Like you know, the things that you grew up listening to and that you really appreciate. Yeah, I mean the breakdowns and like that that post hardcore scene. I was yeah. talking about like the when it just ding, boom, dum dum, and just gets <laughs> real heavy. You know, and even throwing like 808s on that stuff. Yeah. Before I knew what an 808 was, right. you know what I mean. So I feel like that was my that's what drew me to that sort of metal, that really really heavy stuff. You know what I mean? Like where you can you don't even know what they're saying unless you're a real fan. Yeah. You're like looking up the lyrics, uh, like I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I feel like that is so hip hop to have like a, just a simple. I mean, a lot of that, like I said, 808s and just drums, you yeah. know what I mean? Just real slow, just head nod, jump around stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it, you could play that. Like, those shows look like what old Wu-Tang shows used to look like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where I'm in my element, man. Like, mosh pits. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Wu-Tang is a, is a great, great influence on, like, so many things. I mean, me... For sure, but so many people, so many groups, yeah, have sprung off of you know what they started. Just amazing. I was watching a bunch of uh, of Method Man videos just a couple of days ago, hey. <laughs> just like letting it randomly go to new things. But yeah, just I don't know. <laughs> They're super cool, man. I mean, the idea of like a whole gang of black dudes from New York mm-hmm. talking about kung fu and all this, old, all these <laughs> yeah. wild ideas, you know, having all these crazy names, old yeah. dirty bastard and shit like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, man. Yes. They, I feel like they took concepts to yeah. a whole new level, and I feel like that's why they really blew up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Thirty Six Chambers is, in my mind, is a yeah. concept album. You know what I mean? You hear all those samples, it's like it's all, it's so cohesive. Yeah. And I feel like that is again what I love about hip hop. And what I love about making whole songs and like constructing this project is I love taking ideas and really making sure that they're fully fleshed out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of, of a lot of stuff that is out and popular these days because it just sounds like a whole album of singles. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like it doesn't sound like one body of work. It sounds like a whole bunch of songs that they wanted to be hits that have right. nothing to do with each other. Not everybody, but there's a lot of that out right now, which I mean, there was that in the 90s, too. You know what yeah. I mean? But like. That's uh, that's not what I'm drawn to at all. I, can, I mean, I can understand people trying to make all you know an album full of hits, but at the same, I I fully, I think I appreciate more albums that have a storyline, like that have a you know this is where it starts and it travels to here and it, you know has a climax and then it it uh, finishes like it has finality to it, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a conclusion to to what happens in the to to the person, like to the the writer or to the artist or the musician, like. I think it's I think it's it's kind of drawing from your real life and then recreating this world that is important and passionate and emotional because it's based on things that really happened to you and not that people who are writing you know banger singles as every song that's <laughs> fire it's not like I don't you listen know, to that stuff yeah. yeah there's a time and a place for that yeah. for sure but I feel like the history of modern music especially right not going back to like when you know when it was just African drums and things like that because that's yeah. super important obviously but modern music has been 
people making I mean like if you, even if you think about bards right you know what I mean where you're, ta- you're telling a story playing your lute or whatever you're playing your guitar yeah or even concertos and orchestras you know what I mean in the classical period where like you said there's it's like it's like a, it's like a movie you know there's a there's an intro and there's rising action and it'll come back down and then there's parts of conflict and there's parts where it's super harmonious and it sounds beautiful and then it ends you know what I mean they were writing huge hour-long pieces yeah. that were one thing and I feel like that's it's just beautiful that's yeah. what really makes it art in my mind yeah it's amazing did you ever listen to at the drive-in no or um oh man my bl- my mind is going blank on on the name of the other group so at the drive-in and the subsequent band that formed after them the mars volta i've heard of them yeah and i've listened okay. to them but i'm not too familiar with their music okay i ask because you said you were into metal and they're i've got to say they're metal they're they're like this crazy experimental like super Type. fast so, you know, a lot of it but and and i think that i think both of the guy the main guys in the group are spanish but you know so spanish words you know kind of work their way into their music and into their lyrics and That's stuff fair. and it's just really it's really neat it's really uh, bizarre kind of wild you know experimental sounds and stuff but the the guitarist is just ridiculous like he'll do these things where he's like playing just crazy licks and like he'll throw the guitar and like bounce it off of his shoulder blade and like catch it and not miss a note and just what? keep going. It's like uh, just damn man, ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's so many people out there where it's just like, how are you this talented? Yeah, you know, like I, I ho- I'm gonna keep practicing till yeah. I, people can say that about me with my production yeah. and my rapping. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I saw this maybe it was like a week ago. Michael Jackson was 24 when Thriller came out. Wow, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. He did so much before, like, before he was even, you know, in his teens, too. Right. I mean, he also, yeah, he started when he was, like, three, mm-hmm. so he had 21 years, right. you know? So <laughs> maybe when I'm 50, I could be like Quincy Jones out here producing these yeah. amazing, world-renowned, timeless pieces, but it takes time. Yeah. It's interesting, the trade-off, too, because, like, Michael Jackson obviously was in a situation from the time he was born where they were pushing him to be a be a prodigy basically like his whole family obviously but Mm -hmm. you know once he really caught on to it and figured out you know started figuring out what his capabilities were they were just pushing him all the time you know his life was controlled and and you know he made some amazing music you know accomplished some amazing things but i wonder you know how much how much different his life would have been if his if his family hadn't been so you know so much pushing him so much to do all that kind of stuff yeah, I mean, I, I totally hear you on that, but I feel like it's worth it Yeah, for him. Yeah. I mean, it worked for him. You know, yeah. there's a bunch of people out here getting their lives ruined by these overbearing parents that are like, you yeah. got to play the violin every day, five <laughs> hours a day, you know what I mean? But And then they don't make it, right. but Michael Jackson, I mean, like, he I mean, wouldn't have been yeah. a billionaire, <laughs> you know, had they not pushed him like that, maybe, Yeah, you know? Ideally, we wouldn't have to go through so much stress, like, to achieve great things, but it's you know, it's like the example of a diamond, or at least a diamond before we made synthetic diamonds, right. <laughs> where it has to go through like hundreds of years and you know thousands and thousands of pounds of pressure in order to turn from coal into a diamond. Like, yeah. And I think that 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 kind of metaphorically applies to people like Michael Jackson, who had so much pressure, so much difficulty, but was able to produce just such amazing, like mind-blowing things because of that difficulty. I love pressure, man. I feel like I perform best under, <laughs> under pressure. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, even like when I was an undergrad, I yeah. might have like a 
I might have like a 16-page paper that I got to do. Right. Of course, I wait until midnight the night before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Chug coffee up all night, and I did well. You know what I mean? So I feel like same thing with um, like projects. Yeah. Uh, for like the song I just put out on the rocks, I was up until 4 a.m. Fin- like finalizing it, touching it up, making sure it sounded exactly how I wanted it to sound. Right. And then it came out at like 8, 8 a.m. You know. Yikes. I love it. That's like when I'm flourishing. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, right. like, let's get it right right now. It's do or die. I don't know your sign, but I probably should. Guess it's all taboo. Your butt is big as a Buddha belly. That skirt come off like new Paredes. I turn to jelly. I turn to jelly. That's frozen heart as tattoo. Removing all of that make a baby. Well, well, more than acquaintance mornings. I wake up just to get cake. Make sure we're straight A students. I'ma study karate. Cause when we kick it, we be breaking head. Pours like me. Yeah, I full, I fully agree. I'll be I'll be working my day job and I'm like thinking about the project that I'm working on, the track that I've got to finish. Or actually, one of the guys that I work with now is is mastering, like doing production and mastering for me. Okay. So, so now I'll put together a track. It's got multiple, you know, we've got multiple mics, so it's multiple tracks, and I'll right. put it together and do some minimal editing to it. Lately, I've been putting like intro outro music on it, and then I'll shift it off to my friend Casey. And he'll do the mastering on it and like cut it down to an hour, basically. Tight. I'm to, but it's yeah, it's just it's it's amazing like being able to find people that are good at what they do and can take like can fill a role in your process that allows you to flourish, like allows you right. to do what you're really good at. I feel like that's something that I've had to learn. Yeah. Is, uh, finding those people that are talented but also invest are in, as invested in it as you are. I've worked with people in the past where it's like, I've, you know, this is my art. This means everything to me. Yeah. And it's like not even second priority, third priority to them. You know what I mean? I'm sitting around waiting. Hey, man, when, have you right. gotten to that yet? Or blah, 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 blah. And it never happens. Right. And I've, I've thankfully now I'm at a point where I, I have people around me that, like I said, are equally invested and want to see me succeed just as much as I want to see them succeed. And it makes making music so much more enjoyable. Yeah. If everybody's dedicated to it, it can really flourish. Right. But it's amazing how many I've talked to so many people about this, too. It's amazing how many people you encounter along the way that seem like they're really into it and then don't necessarily follow through. But once you find those people that do follow through, that's where it's at. man. Yeah, I linked up. I linked up with um, Kogan, if you know him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Kogan and uh, the entire, you know, now I'm a member of Bird Zoo Mm -hmm. and and being around those guys, man. It's just it's just so tight to be in a room full of people that are so driven to make it to you know quote unquote it but mm-hmm. also just to make music and make high quality art whether it's videos or photography or everything you know just being surrounded by people that are yeah pushing themselves allows me to push myself even more to that next level and it's like that friendly competition right. like i always want to outwrap jason i always want to outwrap kogan and they're thinking the same thing you know what i mean it's i feel yeah. like it's pushed my creativity to another level i think having that shared mindset is really important and because you have several people that are working on the, you know, are thinking along the same lines and focused on the same things, yeah. then it builds, like it builds the energy of it and the power of it. Right. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing when it works well, like it just, I think that, I think it's what we're supposed to do. I think it's like we're individual human nodes on this like huge electric, you know, universal circuit board. Yeah. And when we... You know, get in the right place, close. You know, in close proximity to other human nodes that are focused on similar things, then it just 
it multiplies the energy, it multiplies the power. Yeah, finding people on your frequency, mm-hmm. 100%, man. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, you got to have a good team. It's key, <laughs> man. I, I, I feel like I spent so much time trying to just do me. Yeah. And not even trying to reach out to find those people. Um, and I feel like I wasted a lot of time. But at the same time, I feel like where I'm at now is a great place to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of regret the, like the few years I spent just writing in my dorm room and just doing open mics and not really taking it so seriously. But maybe I wouldn't have met up with Bird Zoo and been, you know, been the artist that I am now, which yeah. I feel like is, I'm I'm on a path, man, that I feel like is gonna be is gonna be great. I think you have to go through some of that time too. Some of the, some of those times where you're trying but not necessarily accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Right. You can maybe see the goal that you're trying to get to, but you've got to go through that difficulty to to grow and yeah. to learn. Definitely, I think I think it's important. I think it's important to to uh, develop discipline, and I think that's something that a lot of people are lacking, just because we don't necessarily have the examples of going through the difficulty. Like we have these examples of people who've already made it, right. and so seeing them talking about the difficulty is is one thing. But when they're already on the you know on the big screen talking about going yeah. through the difficulty, it's <laughs> like yeah you had it hard, but you don't anymore. Right. Like, you're doing pretty well right now. So I don't know. And and that create I think that that creates a weird thing too because that makes the people who are trying to come up want to focus on all right how do I talk about how difficult I had it in order to get people to appreciate me as an artist or as you know somebody who's trying to make it. Yeah. You know? I feel like. To that point, I've also started listening to a whole lot of interviews, like hour-long interviews from people that I look up to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's a beautiful time to be alive because the internet is there for to have that resource. You know, if this mm-hmm. was 1985, I guess I'd be reading magazine interviews. Right. But it wouldn't be so easily accessible where I can listen to five hours of Jay-Z yeah. talking about the music business and how, how he's maneuvered or Kanye West or whoever. It's there's so many resources out there where you can learn from people that are wildly successful. Yeah. And I feel like that's also helped me, especially in like terms of maneuvering through the music, like the business part of music mm-hmm. and, and understanding how to market myself and things like that. It's, I, I try to find, like, like I said, people that are already really successful dropping these ridiculous gems yeah. out there for free, you know, super important. Yeah. I think giving music away is a really interesting aspect of the way that it's done now too. Because you think about way back in the day, you only had live performance up until there was recorded music, right? Right. You could only get paid to do live performance, right? Mm -hmm. And so then there was recorded music and all of a sudden there was this middleman situation where somebody had the money or had the equipment or had, you know, the expertise and could produce your music for you. Mm -hmm. And then you're dependent on that person and then they can determine this is what it's going to cost you in order to get what you want, even though you're the genius who had the idea and made, you know, wrote the lyrics and came up with this aspect. And, and you made the art. You, yeah, you did, you did everything. Yeah. But you don't know how, you know, you don't have the money or you don't have the equipment or you don't have the understanding in order to produce it yourself. Now we're at this point where it's, it's crazy and everybody can do everything. Yeah, everybody, you know? everybody I know that's a musician has a studio in their room. Yeah. That yeah. was unimaginable in 1900 right you know right and but now the craziest thing is it went from this thing where you could only get paid for live performance to you get paid for these cds and albums and records and everything Mm -hmm. and that's cool 
and you could make millions off of it or the record company might screw you and they might make millions off of it. And They're now definitely going to make millions yeah, off it. <laughs> yeah. And now we're at a point where there's all these streaming services that just give away music. And so now it's kind of flipped back to where you have to perform. Like you have to make money off of doing big shows and live mm-hmm. shows and like you have to get your name out. You get your name out through you know viral videos and stuff too, but you, like, you really have to make your money off of hitting the hitting the street and going yep. out there and doing it and i think that's good you know Me i think too. that there was this weird time well, where we got people got paid too much for recorded music right you know i think that that should be a tool i think that it should be given away largely and if somebody really wants to support what you're doing then they will give you money for it mm-hmm. you know and I, th- I think that that's one of the reasons that bandcamp the oh, yeah. website right. is such a cool um tool to use for a lot of musicians because you can say pay whatever you want you know you can have this for free you can pay a dollar you can pay a hundred dollars whatever you want to do is fine and people who appreciate your music will readily pay you something yeah and it's just the idea of taking down a barrier you know when people like why make somebody pay for it when the, the end goal is to make them a fan yeah. You know, so and I feel like as a fan of music first, I appreciate it when somebody's like, you can just have this if you want to pay for it, you can. Right. But just thanks for listening. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that that mentality is really inviting. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's it's powerful because it allows people to be more connected with the artist. Right. And encourages people to, you know, interact directly. Like you can you can actually send a message on Twitter to your, you know, your one of your biggest uh, influences in the world and they have a high chance of actually seeing that and potentially responding to it yeah it's a great time man I feel like there's never been a better time to be a musician than right now yeah which is easy to say because this is like what we're living in right now yeah (laughs) but I mean like having a studio in your room being able to send music directly to somebody right like if this was 1985 the only way you're ever going to get your music out you couldn't put out one song a right. week, right? That you wasn't. Make, you make a cassette tape, and you can like, <laughs> right? Make a hopefully bunch get it to a radio station, right? If you're lucky, <laughs> or a label who, yeah. like you said, is just gonna end up robbing your ass in the end. At the end of it, yeah. you know. So, being able to go direct to the people that actually care about your music and directly, you know, like every musician is their own A and R now. You know, you you make your brand. You're able to talk directly to fans, and again, there's just so many less barriers between you and the people that are actually listening to your music that. Otherwise, you know, in the past has been such a such a hurdle yeah. for aspiring musicians that most of them never able were never able to even get over. So, yeah, yeah man, the end, I mean, the, the days of just being like a garage band literally are over because everybody can record music for the low. Yeah. And put it out on the Internet for free. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. The time that we live in. Yeah, I fully tight. agree with that. I just keep finding more things, too. Like I have this uh, podcasting setup is great. And I got, you know, I started working on that a few years ago and getting this recorder was a big part of it because it's like a mixer built into a tiny little thing. But I just keep finding more awesome technology that could make it easier or better. Like I could get lavalier mics that, you know, where you don't have to have any of this. You're just like sitting across the table from a person. Yeah, that'd be dope. (laughs) (laughs) One day, right? (laughs) There's just so many amazing, uh, amazing pieces of technology that just keep being invented. And I know that it's just going to keep happening. Like we're not going to stop having ideas or we're not going to stop making things more complicated and you know more more developed right just going to keep happening it's really interesting the way that music changes in that way too because we 
you know, we as being human beings went through a time where music started out pretty slow and like it got in classical times it got pretty fast, you know, to some, you know, to certain certain parts of it got ridiculously fast. Right. But it was still kind of this thing that was looked at as kind of slow, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we're now getting to this time where everything about some styles of music is fast. Yeah. You know, the lyrics are fast, the music is fast, the percussion is like everything is fast. And that's really it's it's fascinating because I wonder where we're going to go, you know, next. Like we can get it as fast as possible. Like what's the next step after that? Like um bus driver, you know. He was super fast. He's is Who? super fast. Bus driver? You know bus driver? Mm. What? <laughs> 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 no, not at all. Anyway, there's so I thought you were saying Buster Rhymes at first. Buster like, Rhymes yeah, is he's fast. Super fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bus driver, nah. <laughs> well, I just mean like there's so many examples of people that are super fast. Buster Rhymes is super fast. Mm-hmm. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Right. You know, oh, all I these them, all these examples and and I think that like now we have this we have some some styles of music now that are so fast that like words are just blurred together and you know I'm not dissing or you know promoting any either way for like any style of music but there are certain styles of music now that I think have hit like maybe the limit like on how fast it's gonna be mm. you know what I mean yeah like um, you know Tech 9 yeah of course yeah okay. Tech 9 super fast now how I feel can like you go faster than that? There's a, lot of, there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, like the trap scene right now. It's yeah. these super slow, like 60 BPM beats. That's true, too. But they're rapping double time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the, the beat is super slow, but then they're rapping. You know what I mean? We're like, man, if you can figure out where we're going next, you can make a whole lot of money. Just start start doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think it's just, I think it is going to keep getting more complicated, but. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we're getting close to a resurgency of something too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything comes in cycles. Definitely. Like we've, we've had a resurgency of like soul music and folk music and a lot of hip hop and I don't know. I think lyricism is gonna come back, man. Yeah, I think I think that in certain areas lyricism never really went away. Like if you listen you to, you can find it if you want to find it. It's out there, but I mean in terms of like popular. Yeah, there's a lot of mainstream music that. <clears throat> doesn't de- doesn't depend much on lyricism i would say mm-hmm. or, i don't know and that's that's probably not really fair either because i think that a lot of that mainstream music does have some really you know in-depth lyrical content there's just yeah. a lot of it that it's hard to look beyond the surface level of yeah but yeah i agree man i don't know do you listen to rhyme sayers like no uh, atmosphere uh, well, yeah, definitely listen to Atmosphere. Okay. And I've been to their festival. I actually might go again this year. The oh, one nice. I've been at Soundset, you know, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a big, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Atmosphere or any of those guys okay. in particular. Sure, sure. ASAP. Yeah. Rock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're tight. Yeah. I just, I think that uh, people in those, like in those groups are, are still super focused on lyricism. Yeah. Like, it's out there. I mean, yeah. Kendrick Lamar is probably the biggest rapper in the whole world right yeah. now. And he's super lyrical. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. You know what I just heard was, it was Weird Al Yankovic uh, uh, doing a polka version of Hamilton. Really? <laughs> wow. So good. First of all, I can't even believe he's still out here. Damn, I, I, know, right? I haven't heard that name in like what feels like 10 years, man. Weird Al? Yo. He's still actively producing <laughs> music, <Yo>. man. <laughs> That's crazy. And it was really good, too. Like, it was, you know, obviously like accordions and polka music, but... Right. But, you know, I, it, the, the interesting thing about Weird Al is he'll take something that, you know, you do know what the words are, 
but might be harder to understand the words and he'll make it super easy and you can understand like every single word yeah and uh not not to be racial but i feel like it's because he's so white you know <laughs> <laughs> he has to enunciate every word perfectly yeah. <laughs> i love weird Al, though he's hilarious dude I wonder how old he is. He's got to be, like, in his 50s or 60s. Oh, yeah, I was going to say 60, man. Yeah. The fact that he's still out here, that's crazy. And he still has curly hair, like, down to his shoulders. That's his image. You can't change now. Well. You know? Yeah. But he looks looks, uh, pretty similar to the way he looked, like, 20 years ago, in my opinion. Damn. But, yeah. Anyway, enough talk about Weird Al. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Never would have guessed we'd be talking about Weird Al on this podcast. It happens, man. It's philosophical (laughs) grandeur. You can talk about whatever you want. Right. So, what is your next big thing? Like, you've got this project you're working on right now. Do right. you have a Do you have a drop date? Do you have? Uh, it's gonna come out this spring. This spring, you said. Um, right. and I've recently set a goal. Um, well, two goals for 2018 for me. Okay. Put out 100 songs. Ooh. Literally, 100 songs, and perform in 20 different cities. So, in particular, I've been trying to plot out and reach out to people in other cities. I'm hoping to get to. Looks like so far I should be able to get to New York, New Jersey, Chicago, uh, Evansville, Cincinnati, and probably Lexington. So what is that, six? Um, so then I got the rest of the year. And I'm saying, like, soon, like before June, I should be able to hit all those. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so excited. That's awesome. I, I got to hit the road, <laughs> man. I'm so, like, I'm looking forward to, to the roughing it part. You know what yeah. I mean? Like five dudes in one room, you know, double bed <laughs> sleeping on the floor smelling up a sedan you know yeah. driving 10 hours to right. the venue you know what i mean waking up <laughs> tired as hell having to go to the next one um that's like that's my dream man yeah you're trying to get on the road yeah bum it up you know what i mean be broke. yeah that's <laughs> great man that's so awesome i i love talking I'm, I'm talking to people on a regular basis about how psyched they are about how motivated they are and it's just super motivating for me i'm trying to do 52 podcasts this year hell yeah that was that was my goal before the be- the beginning of the year and i was like this is not a new year's resolution i'm going to do 52 podcasts in 2018 hell and yeah. i you know i i started in january and how many have you done i've released two now okay um i have and you know like any th- any project there's things that come up so right. i did i did at least four recordings in january but i did at least two recordings with one person just two it. different dates. Anyway, so I've released two actual podcasts. I've got a couple more things in the works right now. Yours will be coming out pretty soon, too. But cool. Yeah, it's just, it was really daunting when I first got into doing all this kind of stuff. And I had to figure out what roles I really needed to play in the process. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I needed to outsource some of the production because that's one of the things that stressed me out the most okay. was like just how tedious it was and how much, how much detail I would spend, like how much detail I would go into in order to make everything just sound exactly right. And right. I, think that, I think that that's important, but a professional producer is a lot faster at it. Right, <laughs> yeah. <than> me. <laughs> know your limits, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, so, yeah, and so that was something I had to learn and the less that I can stress about that kind of thing, like learning a bunch of deep breathing exercises had something to do with it too, just getting my stress level lowered. Dope. But yeah, I feel like just super hopeful about 2018. I think a lot of great stuff is happening for sure. Yeah, same, man. And just having goals in general. Yeah. You know what I mean? Having something like a specific target that mm-hmm. you're working towards that you can say, all right, and you can look back and see your progress. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's, like talk, let's talk about books. 
books in in that regard specifically to what you were just saying yeah um there's there are a bunch of people i've been paying attention to um one of them oh a bunch of them talk about stoicism okay yeah. do you know anything about stoicism? yeah of course yeah i got my degree in philosophy awesome yeah so <laughs> awesome you're exactly the person i need to be talking to about this kind of stuff <laughs> so i've been looking into like seneca and um uh, all these philosophers and right. stoicism and uh, I've been browsing Reddit. <laughs> I, I love Reddit, man. I'm on I love Reddit as well. Yeah. And uh, I, f- I found the cross section between Reddit and Stoicism. Somebody put together this practical Stoicism guide. Okay. And so he put it together on Reddit, and there's all these different resources. And he's like, this is broken down like the basic principles of Stoicism and how they apply. And he put it into like a hundred or so page book essentially right. and you can buy it for a dollar or you can download it for free like there's different ways to get it Word. but it's like practical stoicism and i have all these other resources that are about stoicism and like all these different quotes and letters from different people to different people mm-hmm. and a lot of that is you know is what it's about like reading all that kind of stuff but this guy who put together this practical stoicism guide has it laid out like really easy to read he's got all these examples from these different people put together and it's just like it's each chapter is like a few pages or something, so it's okay. just like each principle is broken down, super easy to understand, and that's dope. It's just really, it's really benefiting me in a lot of ways, just because it's talking about you know how to go into every situation and not be stressed and not you know be manic about it and not you know not have to feel like right. you are trying to do something that you can't do, and just kind of being at peace. Like yeah, I feel like stoicism is super pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I live my life in some, in a lot of ways, like in a line with stoicism. I mean, for example, like one of, like my base principle is and like removing yourself from a situation. Can you do something about it? If you can, do that. If you can't, don't worry about it because you can't do anything to change it. It's so black and white. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you can do something to do it, or if you can do something to change a situation that you're not happy with, yeah. then you can change it. Yeah. And if you can't, then what are you, what is there to, there's nothing right. left to do. You, why are you stressed about something that you can't do anything about? Right. That's awesome. It's super, and it's, I've, I'm so at peace these days. I feel like I stress, even though I said I love pressure, yeah. like it's fun to me. You know, well, to have I, like I think that. pressure and stress are different. A hundred percent. Yeah. You I could be agree. stressed under pressure or not stressed under pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you're getting to the point where you're not feeling stressed under pressure. And you, you know, you still have the pressure that's motivating you to do the things you want to do. Oh yeah, I don't stress, man. Like, I feel like a lot of people say that, but I, like, I really, really just don't, man. Yeah. You, you have always seemed like a fairly stress-free individual, in my opinion. You know, just Word. in the time that I've been around you. But I feel like personally, I had been a much more stressed person. Okay. And have more recently kind of started to figure out why that was or how you know how to combat that how to get past that kind of thing yeah yeah it's a lifelong journey man totally you should Um, read up meditations okay what's the who's that by um marcus aurelius yes yeah i have have started reading some of that pretty short i got a copy cool So yeah we can link it but i can give it to you i mean it's real it's like maybe 85 90 pages okay you can sit down and read in like you know an hour and a half or so awesome um super pragmatic man again like yeah I feel like pragmatism is an idea that a lot of people are missing in their life. You yeah. know what I mean? Just be practical. 
like I said earlier, know your limits. You know what I mean? Like you could have been stressed about how do I get all these podcasts done and I have to do everything. Right. Or you could, again, remove yourself from the situation. How can I get this better? Yeah. So, yeah, what, man. What can I do? What do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. It's hard, but I think that, you know, like you were saying, you went through some time where you didn't, you d- weren't necessarily accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish, mm-hmm. but you had to go through that. I was just too busy to smoking weed and drinking all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I that might have been an important thing for you to go through, though. You know what oh, I'm yeah. I mean, doing psychedelics is the reason why <laughs> I got my philosophy. Degree. You know, it's like, all right, I ate an eighth of mushrooms and we had this super philosophical conversation. Yeah. Why don't I just get my degree in this? <laughs> you know, like this will make and it made school so much more enjoyable. Like, like I said, 16-page papers, that kind of stuff was fun to me. Yeah. And I try to translate that. You know, I see how that's reflected in my music as well. Because oh, philosophy sure. is just, you know, getting, having an idea and making sure that you can convey that clearly and effectively. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's 100% what I feel like making music is. It's like you got all these ideas floating around and these concepts and what you want to talk about. And hip-hop is just a way to do that artistically. Yeah. I would say the majority of, of successful musicians are, are doing that just kind of in general. Like, they're going through that process. Yeah. I just keep seeing people that right. I walk by. <laughs> it's popping on the block right now. Yeah, man. It's, it's a beautiful day. I, I really enjoy doing this kind of podcast where there's, like, ambient noise. Right. But it's also kind of difficult sometimes. Like, earlier, some people sat down, like, right next to us, and, like, the guy noticed us right as he sat down and then like made a really loud noise with his chair and then like looked at me and grimaced and i was like <laughs> <laughs> oh, i missed all that i got my it's back good. to him yeah it's good <laughs> my brain was like going through like stress and frustration and i was like this, there's nothing you can do about this right just, like <laughs> just the podcast will be okay <laughs> still having a good time yeah man. I, I really do enjoy though the ambient sound in the background i feel like it makes a recording sound more real like you're kind of in the situation and everything right so there's some benefits to it for sure. Yeah. What's the um, What's the next thing you're gonna do after you finish this project? Like, what's your plan for the rest of this year, next year, other than like touring and that kind of stuff? Um, I'm really focused on marketing myself right now. Um, I guess more particularly is since I've spent so much time producing for this project, I want to start working with a whole bunch of other producers. Yeah. Like Axel Rowley, he's in Birdzoo as well, man. He's the homie. Shout out Rowley. Uh, I want to rap on a whole bunch of his beats. And I just want to start locking myself into um, longer studio blocks, yeah. right? And to, like I said, to get these 100 songs done, going in to a four-hour or an eight-hour studio block and just knocking out music that way um, instead of what I've been doing now, which has worked, is, uh, like I said, going like once a week. Yeah. Um, has that been based on your schedule, like, cap- like working days w- you're able to My go, schedule or? with Filthy Rich. Okay. Um, we we set it up where Saturdays are our go-to day. Sometimes we might link up on a Tuesday for like a mixing session or something yeah. like that. Um, but I really want to start sitting. And th- we usually go for like three hours, but I really want to start going like full days. Yeah, eight hours. You know, turn off my phone, just go in there with me or a couple friends or whatever, and just knock out music just straight back to back to back to back. Um, yeah. And just have a whole lot of content that I can have on deck. Be like, you know what? I haven't put out a song in a week. I'm gonna put out another one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't put out a song. I, I just put one out. I'm going to put one out t- tomorrow. You know, yeah. like, put one out today. Eh, why not? Throw in another one. You know, yeah. right now I'm kind of working in a in a way where I have a few finished songs, but I'd like to have, like, a, a surplus back yeah. to that. <laughs> uh, to just be sitting on where it's like, all right, I have music, and I have, I have enough of a backlog where somebody could go through and really 
hear all the different sounds and different and like my range i feel like my range has not been published yet hmm. and i want to get that out there because i can make a whole bunch of different kind of music but it doesn't do me any good if nobody knows that yeah you know and and doing it consistently over time like i think one of the things you're touching on is setting up a release schedule mm-hmm. to where you know you've already saved, like you said saved up a certain amount of material and then having a schedule where you're releasing it on a regular basis and kind of using marketing techniques like putting stuff out at a certain time of day mm-hmm. on different networks. Oh, yeah. Different networks. Um, are, it's, it's a good idea to put out a lot more posts on Twitter than Facebook, for instance. Like there's just all these different social marketing techniques that I've heard about that I'm sure. Oh, I've been studying that, that sort man. Of thing. I've been stu- I mean, like even down to the specific time for each specific yeah. network. You know, people have studied that. I don't yeah. need to study it, but right. it's out there for free for me to know. And or even just like in general, how to move and think of myself in a way that is uh, more of an entrepreneur mm-hmm. artist than just an artist, you know? Yeah. Because I mean, making music is what I love, but I want to be able to do that for a living. Right. You know, so I got to start making money doing it, you know? So you have to figure out the business aspects, the way that the way that you can turn what you love to do into that cash machine, basically. Yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> Making music is fun and it comes easy to me. Yeah, you know, turning that, like you said, into money—that's mm-hmm. the hard part. Yeah, but. and and it's difficult too because you don't want to cheapen it. Like you don't want it to be about the money, and it's not. You know. No. Not but at for all. some people, some some people, it becomes too much about the money, and then it's just. I don't know. It's obvious. <laughs> right. I feel like you gotta. You have to recognize the opportunities where there's not any money to be made, where there's value elsewhere. You know, right. everybody just wants a return on their investment of time and energy into making art. You know, of any kind. Yeah. But the return isn't always, you know, monetary. Yeah. And you got to be able to really, you know, analyze the situation and figure out what, you know, when there is that chance. Right. And, and you got to be able to understand what the benefits are. Like, if it's not a monetary benefit, like, what is the benefit and how can that be utilized, you know, in order to maximize your potential? Right. But there's also a whole bunch of people out there that like exploit people in that way. Sure. Where it's like, oh yeah, it'll cost you $200 to open for this national act uh, for exposure. And it's like, fuck that. There's no way. You know what I mean? Like if I'm opening up for whoever that's big and I pay $200 to do that, how many people am I going to convert to fans right. in my 15 minute set as an opener an hour before that act even comes on to a half empty room maybe right. you know what I mean so it's like again exposure people get exploited <laughs> through that yeah. and it's understanding the re- like where the real value is you know and then you go to the store and you're like how many sandwiches can I buy with this exposure right and exactly you get laughed out of the room yeah I had a, like I had an opportunity similar to that where I could have opened for currency right oh yeah and but they wanted $200 20 or yeah, $20 tickets, and they were going to give me 10 tickets to sell. But it's oh, like, yeah. one, currency, it's not currency is going to be in the back where he's smoking hella weed. And be <laughs> like, that guy's tight. I'm going to sign him. You know, this random opener on one of my 40 dates, you know, for this right. tour. So it's like, no, man, fuck you. <laughs> I don't have an extra $200 to go do that bullshit. Like, not worth it. Yeah. Do you think, uh, is that how it's done in most places now with like With people? shitty promoters. Okay, just with. Okay. You know, um, like I said, people are out here trying to exploit young and and uh, uh, aspiring artists, and but no, there's so no good promoters are gonna are gonna offer you like an opening set, but not charge you two hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you do that, man, and, and hopefully anybody that's listening that is an artist, you you can pick up something from this. When a promoter says, "Sell these tickets, get your money back, and you can open," they're asking you to do their job. 
Right. It's your job to sell the tickets. You know, you're just like, hey, I'll give you 15 minutes on stage for a bunch of people that don't care yeah. to do my job for me. Like, yeah. no, man, that's not my job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I have to sell <laughs> tickets for for me, but right. not to a room full of people that aren't there for me. Well, and especially as somebody who's coming up, you know, in comparison to a promoter who's at least been there for some amount of time, if they've decided that this is the way they're going to do business, like you're trying to make it. Right. And if you are selling tickets, those should go like that money should go to you. Right. It shouldn't have to pay back what you have to pay the promoter. And then you can make some money if you sell enough tickets like that's it's too much pressure for somebody, you know, who's not already a big main mainstream person. Like, yeah. All right. Wu-Tang they would definitely be able to do that because like, right. they would be yeah. like, Hey fans who wants a Wu-Tang ticket and a million tickets would sell easy. Yeah. But like, I mean, specifically to that situation I had, yeah, there was no room for me to make any money. It mm. was sell your tickets to make your money back. So then I'm doing a show for free for 15 minutes and I would have been one of like six other openers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, for what? Yeah. And, and I think that people need to know about that kind of thing, like you said. But also, it's unfortunate because certain predatory venues are going to just keep doing that kind of thing because there's always somebody who is hard up enough that they're willing to do that in order to get that. Or, you know. Or they're a uh, dope dealer. Or and they yeah. have $10,000 yeah. in their pocket. So it's like $200. Yeah, whatever. Well, that's why, you know, early 90s, you had all these dope dealers right. who were turning into rap stars. Even now, man. Yeah, you know that's what true. I mean? Like, it costs a lot of money to make high, high, high quality music, you yeah. know? Um, but I feel like the margin between what I could do on my budget and what, you know, Jay-Z is, maybe not, or like, you know, a, 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 yeah, Jay-Z or Amigos or whoever, mm-hmm. what they're doing is not so, it's not so far removed from what I could do. Yeah. So it's like, again back to it being the best time to be an artist you don't have to be a dope dealer because it doesn't cost you you know you don't have to have five thousand dollars to even think about making right. a project and you can get a track to a point where it's basically ready for mastering right mm-hmm. and pay somebody to do mastering right and if they know what they're doing that's pretty much you know as good as what the professionals are putting out and i've got friends who can master and would do that for me because mm-hmm. again we support each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Shout out Parker. He's an incredible engineer. He makes his own music as well. He produces and he's wildly talented when it comes to mixing and mastering. Yeah. So things like that. It's like, no, man, like I can, I can make music that sounds good enough where I don't have to be worried about spending a bunch of money for exposure. Right. That shit's trash. Right. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you, man. And I look forward to seeing what you're coming out with. Yeah, in definitely. The future, man. for sure. Thank you. Uh, and anytime you want to do another session, like right now, I'm kind of doing sessions with different people. Yeah. Every time, but anytime you want to do another one, or if you put something out and you want to promote that, I'd be happy to get another podcast with you, man. Yeah, man, let's do that. Thank you for having me. Awesome. This has been a great time. Beautiful and day. I'm trying to be one of those roles in people's situation too. You know, like where yeah. they need promotion, they need marketing. Like, sit down and do an interview, and even you know, I'm trying to do it where. Whatever people, whatever people want out there, like that's what I'm trying to get out there. Mm. And obviously that would be the case, but I think that a lot of people go into situations like this where and they don't quite understand like what to do. Right. It's just a conversation. Like yeah. it's just like what you want to do. What do you want to promote? What do you want to get out there? Totally. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Speaking people of, think it. Shameless plug, real quick. All right. Uh, glass half full coming soon. Uh, again, my name is Muso. 
Instagram, Twitter, at It's Musso, I-T-S-M-M-U-S-O. Um, doing shows all over Louisville here soon, and fuck with me. Stay you know motivated. I mean? Yeah, stay motivated. <laughs> Don't get scammed by these trash promoters. Go listen to Tribe Called Quest, rap promoter. You know what I mean? What an industry rule. 7,080 record company people are shady. Like, that's real life. Uh, follow your dreams. Fuck with Maple. This has been a great time. Thank you, man. Is there anything else that you want to put out there as far as, like, links or anything like that? Uh, SoundCloud.com slash Musso. Uh, if you type in Musso Louisville on Google, you'll how do find you, me. How do you spell Musso? M-M-U-S-O. Right. Yeah, two M's. Don't forget it. Check him out on SoundCloud. This dude's doing huge things based out of Louisville. Right. And, shout out uh, that Tark bus, too. Shout out to that Tark bus. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. And we'll talk to you soon. This has been Maple from Philosophical Grandeur. Check out MapleXMonk.com for more of what I've been working on in the past and in the future. I actually yeah. have been doing some updates to my website lately, though I'm sure most people don't notice that kind of stuff <laughs> as much as I do. Anyway, you guys have a great day, and we'll be back with you soon. The sun comes around, getting drunk in a town, snooping and calling the hounds, cause you know that I'm holding you down, it's still low gravity, girl, we floating on cloud nine, I don't care if every girl in the crowd fine, cause I was looking for the one and I found mine, yeah, I found mine, at least I think so, but will I get sick of the same sex, we having the same bed, you giving the same head, forever, forever, ever, like Andre said, you just might be the prototype, see I'm holding mics, I don't think I'm the stroller type, I got flows to write, promote these shows till everybody knows I'm nice. I hope these folks will throw me likes, but we're in it together.